Hello, listeners. Welcome to Joyful Courage, a conscious parenting podcast hosted by me, Casey O'Rourke, positive discipline trainer, parent coach, adolescent lead at Sproutable, and mom to two teenagers, at least for a few more days. This show is about being with the season of parenting, tweens and teens, and it can be a rough ride, my friends. I am here for the real, the raw, and the vulnerable. We don't hold back on this show, and I keep relationships and personal growth at the center of what I do. If this feels good to you, keep listening. Today, we're talking about online safety. Funny enough, a week or so after recording this interview, we had quite the online safety scandal go down at our house with one of our kids. I'm hoping he will come on to the pod soon and share his story. Stay tuned for that. I know you're gonna get some useful nuggets out of this conversation. I am so glad that you're here. Enjoy the show. So hi, listeners. I am so glad that you're tuning in today. You're gonna be really glad too. My guest is Titania Jordan. Titania is the Chief Marketing Officer and Chief Parent Officer of Bark Technologies, an online safety company that helps keep kids safe online and in real life. A renowned thought leader on digital parenting, Titania has contributed to pieces in the Wall Street Journal, Forbes, Huffington Post, Fox Business, Daily Mail, USA Today, Vogue, and more. Vogue is a funny one to throw in there with all those others, I think. (laughs) I think so too, but kind of a big deal to me. (laughs) For sure. Yeah, definitely. Her first book, Parenting in a Tech World, was published in 2020 and quickly became a bestseller on Amazon. Titania was also featured in the 2020 documentary, Childhood 2.0. She also frequently appears as a subject matter expert on nationally broadcasted programs such as The Today Show, Steve Harvey, The Doctors, CBS This Morning, Good Morning America, Fox News, Sirius XM Radio, and CNBC. In 2017, Titania founded a Facebook group where parents could come together and get advice on raising kids in the digital age, share stories, and learn the latest news about social media. It now has more than 180,000 members. That number probably even could be updated, I bet. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually now over 253,000 members. Oh my gosh. It's insane. Clearly growing rapidly. Yeah. One of her favorite childhood memories is her dad asking her to figure out this whole new computer thing, which was (laughs) Microsoft Windows 3.0 user manual. In the early 90s and later teaching him to navigate the wild west of the early internet that would eventually turn into the online world we know today. When she's not busy trying to make the world a safer place for kids, Titania enjoys duetting with her 14-year-old on TikTok, crafting custom handmade jewelry, and searching for the perfect smoothie. Love that. Hi, welcome to the show. You make me sound (laughs) way cooler than I am. Thanks. (laughs) That is what I'm here for. That's what I'm here for, girl. I'm so glad to have you. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. I mean, we got a little background just with your story of your dad, but how did you get into this being the focus of your work? And talk a little bit about what Bark is. I mean, it's been mentioned on my show many times, but just from you, tell us a little bit about it. Where to start? There are many, many, many episodes probably that we could do on the sometimes rocky paths of my life. But I'll start with just what is Bark. 
Bark mm-hmm. is tech that helps protect now over 6 million children across the globe. And we're doing that by using artificial intelligence to analyze content, text messages, email, social media, digging deep within children's digital signal that is sometimes very buried and very hidden to surface actual problems. We don't give parents full access to every single thing. It's not like when you go and pick up your kid's phone and try to scrub through every text message or DM. It's just analyzing the content and then surfacing snippets of the problems that you need to know about, like cyberbullying, predators, drug use, the things that Mm -hmm. parents should probably step in and help out with their children. So we're alerting parents and caregivers to dangers. Not only that, but our technology has expanded to help in schools across the U.S. because a lot of issues are happening on school-issued tech. We've also expanded to help families with filtering the internet that comes into their home, making sure that whether it's a gaming console or in-home devices and accounts, we're helping parents with filtering and screen time there because we know that's a big issue. And then finally, we've expanded this month and in fact, just started shipping phones. Uh, We've expanded to the Bark phone. Mm. So we are not in the position to say more kids need phones earlier and like more kids need phones in general. Thank you for not saying that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But we know kids are getting them, right? They're getting them and they're getting them at younger ages. So if you are going to give your child a smartphone, big if, it should be a safer one. Mm -hmm. And the options that were out there were either too juvenile, too cumbersome, or just not safe at all. Mm -hmm. So we now have a Bark phone that is very sleek and modern. I'm showing you an example of it right now. It's like super cool. Standard smartphone look. Yeah. And parents can control it. Parents can turn it into a fully functional smartphone with an amazing camera or make it essentially a dumb phone that can do nothing but tell you what time it is. (laughs) Oh, thank God. Yeah. Well, and I have to be fully transparent. I completely failed on the monitoring software situation. I was overwhelming to me. My kids are now 17 and 20. So we've kind of moved into a whole new situation. And fortunately, nothing went terribly sideways due to my lack of effort. (laughs) What I did lean into is I really leaned into normalizing conversations about how we're using our phones, what's coming up. Like we talk about it, we compare screen time, you know, it's just kind of a part of the fabric of our family. So I feel like while I missed the boat in one place, I did a pretty good job in another place. Absolutely. I love that you had multiple candid conversations and really just wove your digital life into your real life because Mm -hmm. that's where we are. We, from our generation, still see a differentiation between the two, but our kids, it's their whole life, whether it's digital or in real life. So keep up the great work. Well, and it's interesting to think about that, right? I mean, I'm Gen X. So I'm like, yeah, you're on the cusp. We'll accept you into the Gen X cohort. (laughs) Thank you. Thank (laughs) you. Anya. And it is, it's fascinating. And I'm always telling my kids like, this was not, a, I didn't even have email until I was in graduate school. Yeah. I didn't have email until college. So. Yeah. And then even going to college, I had a brother word processor that literally showed four lines at a time nice. on the little skinny screen. So it is a different world. And I think that us Gen Xers, because I think millennial, I mean, some of maybe millennials who had kids really young, I'm sure they're out there, you know, they're kind of in the maybe one foot in this digital native-ish experience. I feel like it's been a disservice for us Gen X parents because everything does, like you said, feel separate and feels like 
bad and feels like, you know, danger is everywhere and nothing is normal. And how can they build, like, you know, if you're not seeing real in real life people, how can you really feel like you're developing a relationship with someone over Snapchat video exchanges? And so wrapping our head around this is where they are. This is real for them. And it does matter. You know, it makes sense to them. I think it's big work, right? (laughs) It's one of the most monumental shifts that we've experienced as humans Mm -hmm. when it comes to parenting. You know, for generations, we could lean on our grandparents, parents, aunts, uncles, literature for Mm -hmm. how to teach a child how to ride a bike, you know, seatbelt safety, sunscreen safety, breastfeeding, bottle feeding, whatever, however you're feeding. We had decades, centuries of evidence. We have nothing except for real-time examples. We are a living experiment. So yay. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I'm always like, sorry, you guys, the grownups really got it wrong. Like we did (laughs) not see this coming and it came hard and fast and we're trying to catch up. Like, sorry. And I love that you shared that you apologize because there's actually some things that I think are important for parents to apologize for. You know, I apologize to my son because I let him have TikTok at 10 and a half, 11, like not when I should have in hindsight. Um, Not saying all kids aren't ready for TikTok at that age, but like even the platform itself says 13. So just not judging, but for me, not a good choice. And I had Mm -hmm. to go back to him and apologize. Like, I know you're really addicted to this platform. But it was a bad choice for me to let you access this. And I apologize that I let you have access to this. I'm going to have to, you know, take it back. And I'm sorry. Yeah. You'll be okay. Right. You'll be all right. You'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah, I remember my daughter was really young and it was musically. And it was just like, oh, this cute little app where they get to make these videos. And I had no idea really what could be found on that space or anything about it. So yeah, that whoopsie. Yes. And that was like, I wouldn't let her get Instagram. I wouldn't let her get Snapchat, but she had Musical.ly, which now looking back was like, oh, geez, case, like, oopsie. (laughs) (laughs) But we're in today. We're in the present moment here. We live, we learn. (laughs) This podcast is sponsored by Factor. Are you old enough to remember TV dinners? They came in those tin trays and each part of the meal had its own little compartment. I remember eating those and watching Happy Days, followed by Three's Company, maybe a little Laverne and Shirley. I am that old. Well, the situation has been totally upgraded by Factor. Factor makes delicious, ready-to-eat meals. And unlike those quick meals of the past, every meal from Factor is fresh, never frozen, chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including meals that are calorie smart, protein plus, and keto if that's your thing. Also, there's more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. In my last order, we got red chicken chili tamale bowls and Italian sausage pizza casserole, as well as other delicious meals that my family loved. Plus, there's breakfast and smoothies and all sorts of other add-ons to make life simpler while also keeping it healthy. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. They've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. 
Right now, head to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use code joyful50 to get 50% off. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50 to get 50% off. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. So we've moved through the holidays. When this show comes live, we've moved through the holidays. And my guess is there are lots of kids out there that have gotten their hot little hands on some kind of device. Mm -hmm. So what are the numbers? You mentioned a little bit you know, what are you seeing at Bark? I'm sure you're paying attention to this. Who's getting smartphones? How young oh my are gosh. they? Like, is everybody getting? I mean, according to my kids, right? Everybody right. has a smartphone. But well, really, is it? Is it, it, it kind of is. Um, oh I don't know if you're a member of the Parenting in a Tech World Facebook group that we talked about. But if you go in there, just the amount of posts that are coming through each day right now of like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get my six, seven, eight, nine, 10 year old, a smartphone. What's no. the best one? What do I need to know? Yeah. It's happening. It's Why? happening. And no, I know, I know. And so it is absolutely happening. Everyone does have one for a long time. The strength parents had a numbers to wait until yeah. ninth grade, until eighth, eighth grade. Eighth, yeah. Right. Like that yeah. campaign. Yeah. That ship is almost sailed unless you yeah. have a strong group of parent friends whose kids are also friends with each other and yours, and you can all wait. Yeah. If you can, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. But it's hard. Are these parents of younger kids, is it more like, well, like it's like getting a tablet, but a small tablet? Or is it like legit phone? It's all over the place. A lot of times it's a hand-me-down device. You know, you've got mm -hmm. this cracked, broken thing that can somehow still access Wi-Fi. So you're like, here, just have this. Yeah. But they're savvy. And they're accessing yeah. things you might not realize. Even our refrigerators, in some cases, are smart these days and can connect in somehow. So, you yeah. know, there was a recent story that blew up about a Fitbit having some problematic issues involved with children and messaging. And Great. you just really have to assume that if it plugs in, if it has a battery, it probably has some component of connectivity to it. And so your job as the parent or caregiver is to do a quick Google search to say, whatever the name of the device is, you know, parental controls or yeah. dangers, or what do I need to know and lock it down before yeah. you give your kid access. Yeah. Yeah. Or I love that you shared your own experience with TikTok. Mm -hmm. If you're listening out there and we're going to get yeah. to this, 
I mean, my parents have, you know, adolescents and many of them are like, oh God, it is completely out of hand. And now we're going to get there. Just know listeners, we're going to get there. We're going to talk about, you know, just because it feels like we've missed the boat or we didn't do what we were supposed to do to start doesn't mean that we can't do it now. Right. Right. doesn't mean that we can't do it now. What do you think the families are? What are you hearing in your Facebook group? What do you think the reasons are that so many families are in the struggle with their adolescents and their screens? Oh my gosh, there's so many reasons. You know, one is just situational, right? There's a lot of dual households and Mm -hmm. sometimes the adults are not as friendly with each other as they could be. And so there's a heavy reliance on the child for communication just around pick up and drop off. So, you know, if the divorce rate in this country is 50%, you know, that's that's a large chunk, right? So dual households. Also, you know, pick up and drop off once your children are doing extracurricular activities where you can drop off and pick up. Sometimes just for the peace of mind of you as a parent, just to be able to say, hey, I'll be there in five minutes or I'm running late. Or, you know, if you're wondering why they aren't there and you freak out and your heart sinks in your stomach to know that you can ping them or track their location. A lot of parents are more concerned about the dangers in the real world with let's say kidnapping, than the dangers in the virtual world, which are actually a lot more prevalent. We're all gutted by the fact that school shootings are now a thing Mm -hmm. and have been for a while. And so the ability to be able to contact your child, if God forbid their school goes on lockdown, it's a convenience thing. It's, you know, if you have the ability to know where your child is at all times and communicate them at any time via text versus having to, you know, call the front office of the school and leave a message sure. and have them call you back. Like it's a convenience thing. Yeah. It's um, a useful tool. It can it be a, a useful tool, right? Absolutely. It absolutely can be. And entertainment too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that my smartphone has saved me multiple times when I've had to bring my son with me to, you know, a doctor's appointment and he mm-hmm. would, oh my gosh, I don't know what he would have done. I guess <laughs> read a book. What about Highlights Magazine? Remember those? They don't have those anymore. I wish they did. <laughs> Highlights. They just have like USB ports so everybody can plug in their device. Yeah. USB ports and Us Weekly. Yeah. So we've brought these things into our life. Like they are a tool that we're using. Yes. And so for our adolescents and the parents of adolescents, what are you mm-hmm. hearing? What are they fighting with their kids about in the context of these phones? So yes, we're using them to stay in touch and everything, but where is it going south? A major source of friction is where and when the device is being used. Just like we as adults like to lay in our bed and scroll on our phone, kids like to do that too. But that's problematic because if a child has their own room and their device in their room, if they wake up in the middle of the night, they're going to that thing. And then all of a sudden Mm -hmm. they're not sleeping and their bodies need sleep to grow and to be mentally healthy. So phones in the bedrooms Phones being used, you know, past 10 p.m., before 7 a.m., like that's a big, big source of frustration. Phones being a distraction during, let's say, homework time Mm -hmm. where kids are saying, well, I need to be on this to collaborate with my friends on this project. And it's like, Mm -hmm. do you or don't you? I don't know. Yes. Um, You know, the fact that they're saying, you know, my friends don't text. They're all on Snapchat. If you don't let me on Snapchat, I'll lose my friends. I won't be able to fit in. And I get Mm -hmm. it. I get it. Yeah. It's very hard. Yeah. Some of that, like literally word for word has shown up in my household. What do you think are the most crucial conversations for parents to be having with their kiddos around screen use? And maybe we can differentiate between like, you know, parents 
I mean, I want to think that probably my audience, it's probably not, we just got our first situation. I'm guessing my audience probably is like, we're in it, right? right? So what are some really important conversations that they can be having with their kids around how they're using their screens? I love this question. I would say the first and most important thing to do is to model. For example, I was at dinner last night with my husband and my son and they didn't have their phones out. They were reading the menus. I already knew what I wanted. And I really wanted to check my phone. Like I, it was like burning a hole in my pocket. And I was like, if I take this thing out, I'm going to be on it. And I will not be engaging with them. Right. And I don't want to set that example. Yeah. So if you have the honor and privilege to be in a situation where you have your child's attention and eyeballs and they are not distracted by their phone, don't be distracted by yours yeah. if you can help it. Outside yeah. of business hours, I get it. We're all on this hamster wheel, but just so by example. Also, you know, if my son ever walks into my room and I'm on my phone, put it, it just like throw it across the room if I can. Like, hello, you are the priority. Yeah. This Instagram, email, text, YouTube, whatever, this is not a priority. You, my human child, you are my priority. So prioritizing those face-to-face connections, showing what you're struggling with. I'm very honest with him. Like, you know, I'll see all of my friends like at this concert and I'm like, oh man, that looks really fun. Like, I'm kind of sad I didn't get invited to that. Yeah, Um, I have some feels about this. Yeah, I feel a feeling. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So being vulnerable about that, sharing examples of unfortunately scary stories that you might hear, Mm -hmm. like, hey, I heard this kid was messaging with this person they thought was their age, you know, on their Xbox and ended up sneaking out of the house going to meet with them. And now that kid is deceased and it will never Mm -hmm. be coming home. Mm -hmm. And I know you know better than that, but like, I just felt we should talk about that because that's a really scary feeling. And I bet their parent thought that their kid knew better too. You know, just having this I want to pause you right there because I think that we can find really scary news stories and as parents, Mm -hmm. let that spin us out. And not to say that terrible things don't happen because they do. The entry point that I like to take on that one is... Because I'm quick to be like, oh my God, I heard this thing. What do you think about it? And I like to say, basically, like, how are you navigating? Like when somebody shows up in your messaging and your DMs, Mm -hmm. like, how do you navigate that? What are the tells for you that this is a safe person or not a safe person? And what about the people that are really good at pretending? Like more, and it's the nice thing about that conversation. I'm speaking it for you listeners. Maybe you've heard me talk about this before it calms me down. Like when my kids are like, yeah, it's totally, some of the time it's totally obvious and here's how, you know, and they tell me their experience because again, Gen X, like, Mm -hmm. oh God, you know, and (laughs) them being like, yeah, I mean, my daughter telling me like, mom, dick pics are a thing. Like girls just get them. And I'm desensitized, which breaks my heart, of course. Yeah. But also like her attitude towards it and like, you know, like, and her ability to kind of move on and not get hooked or anything weird calmed me down. Good. Right. And so I think that it can be really useful listeners to just be really candid and find before you're like, you will get kidnapped. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You will be dead in a ditch. All of them, apparently all of our kids are going to be dead in a ditch at the end. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, find out like some of our kids are savvy. Would you, well, I'm going to have you tell me, 
our kids, our teens, savvier than we give them credit for with some phones? of them are. Okay. Many of them are. Okay. I unfortunately have heard of too many stories of good kids that have made bad choices. Sure. And smart kids that have been just ashamed or scared or threatened. Yeah. To have a more casual feeling about it. But I'm also, I'm, that, I mean, that's my world. Every day yeah, yeah. we're sending bark alerts, you know, yeah. whether it's imminent suicidal ideation to yeah. a predator. And so it, I have a different skew there. Much like perhaps, you know, a television news journalist would, you know, covering murder every night. So, sure. but I really like how you framed it with your children, having them dialogue back to you about, you know, what they're seeing and how they handle it. And I have a, a great example too of that. You know, a lot of us, let's just talk about sexting, for example. There's really yeah. two paths we can take. We can either take the, don't you dare, if I ever find out you have, you know, it's oh against the law. Child it's, porn. Yeah. Bad, bad, bad. Alarm, yeah. alarm, alarm. Right. Or this is what I did. I was like, hey, buddy, you know, I heard from a middle school principal, like sixth grade, like sexting is the new first base. And I just, it breaks my heart for some kids that are pressured into it. And it, it just, it's hard for me to believe that that's real. Are you seeing that in your school? Is that really the case? Or is that just at mm-hmm. the school? And he was like, oh yeah, no, it's happening. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I can't believe he told me that, mm-hmm. but he did. Mm-hmm. So it's a dialogue. I am yeah. on your side. We are navigating this together. Yeah. I love that too. That kind of start with the macro, like, what are you seeing? What's happening mm-hmm. with the kids at your school versus are you doing this thing? Mm-hmm. Right. When I think about stuff like sexting, what's the most important thing to me is for my kids to know when that request comes or when the impulse shows mm-hmm. up, mm-hmm. how to work through what's happening yep. in their body, right? right? Not just like, you better not do it because it's highly illegal. And you don't this smoke, is, don't drink, right? don't have sex don't till you're married. Right. right. That right, clearly right. worked for generations. Right. It worked really well for me. <laughs> right. So it's like, okay. And I had a friend of mine, you might know Amy Lang from Birds and Bees and Kids. Yeah. She's a good friend of mine and she's been on the podcast a bunch. And she talks about, you know, often kind of put our boys and you as a mom of a boy might will mm. probably appreciate this as the ones that are always doing the like, hey, send me a picture of your boobs or whatever. Yep. And Amy's like, you know, there's plenty of girls that are prompting this as well. And our boys need to have the skills to know how to say, I'm going to like you. You don't need to send me this. Right. Like I'm going to like you no matter what, which is a big ask for an adolescent boy who's, you know, boobs are fun. (laughs) Like it's exciting, but like helping them learn the skills and to have and normalize the conversation about it. Like, has that happened? You know, once you've kind of gone macro and the opening for the micro comes in and you can say like, how have you navigated this? Has this come up? Would you tell me if it had? And I also had another person tell me like, well, if you're going to send a nude, don't put your head in it. Hey, it's like, you know, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, the harm reduction, right? absolutely. That's what it's about. So, that's but it's actually it, a good at tip. The core, yeah. The core of it is being able to have conversations with your kids and having a, a space of safety so that they're willing to share. Right. And talking about consent too. Yes. I'm going to go back to another conversation I have of my son. You know, he's in eighth grade, but, you know, he'll be in ninth grade before I know it. And I was like, look, when I was in ninth grade, I dated a senior in high school and I made certain choices that I 
probably wouldn't have if I had more confidence in my ability to push back and say no and that sort of thing. And it was funny. His reaction was like, wait, your parents let you date a senior? And I was like, okay, well, they didn't like, I didn't come right out and tell them, you know, (laughs) but yes, they probably should have asked more questions. But anyway, yes. The point is, is we're talking about consent here. And if you are ever with a partner and they don't seem super overly enthusiastic about anything you might be doing, just double, triple check. Yeah. Make sure that you are 110% sure that y'all are both on the same page on whatever you're doing and you're being safe because if there's ever any hesitation, you will not go wrong by waiting. Yeah. I feel like this is so side topic, but we're just going to, we're here. So let's just check it out. I feel like more and more like that is also being normalized. Like I'm seeing it in the shows that I'm watching with my kids, not always, but in the shows that I'm watching with my kids where they can just fold it in naturally, you know, because that's the thing. It's like, I'm feeling the vibe and she wants to kiss me. Can I just lean in and kiss her? And it's like, well, yeah. And it could also look this other way and it doesn't have to be awkward. But even with phones, like if it's, you know, like don't just send a photo willy nilly. I mean, don't send the photo. Just don't send the photo. Right? Just don't do it. Just, just don't, don't do it. it. Just you know, don't I've never, do I've it. never heard a kid say, I really regret not sending a nude. Like, that has never happened. Yeah, right, right, right. right. Exactly. Unless maybe they got dumped because they didn't, but chances are that person, you know, was going to dump you in a way because they're not a right, person. Right. It's that classic. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. So back to the screens. Yes. After that little tangent, thank you so much for <laughs> writing that out with me. So apps on the phone, like you mentioned, all my friends are on Snapchat. I can't, yeah. like, it's great that you're letting me text. Literally same language came up in my house. And there's, it feels like there's new apps all the time. In fact, an app came up in one of my parent groups and I was like, oh, that must be a new one. And then I asked my nearly 20 year old daughter and she's like, mom, that has been around for a long time. I had never heard of it. And so, so there's the old apps and then there's the new apps that seem to be showing up at the speed of light. What kind of resources do you have? How can parents stay up to date, especially us Gen Xers? so that we know what to be having conversations about. Well, you know, one fun thing to do if you're into tech is to just go to the App Store, whether it's the Apple App Store, or the Google Play Store, and see what's trending. You know, kids make apps real popular real quick. And so you could do some digging yourself, you know, you know, what's this Be Real app? What's this Discord thing? I was going to ask you about Be Real. Yeah, what's yeah. top in gaming? What's top in social media? If it's number one, two or three in social media, your kids have heard of it and they're probably on it. So that's a tip. That's Um, a great tip. I love that. So what's trending? What's at the top of the list? It's all ranked in there in the app store? Yeah. Pretty much. Okay. Pretty much. Yeah. You know, obviously the Facebook group, Parenting in a Tech World. Yeah. Parents, when they are concerned about something, they will surface it. And we usually know when something's picking up steam because we got like 10 pending posts about the same thing. So, you know, right now, the big problem is just kids circumventing Apple screen time. With the latest iOS update, there's been tons of issues that parents are having with screen time settings not working the way they mm-hmm. thought they would for their kids. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we hear about the group, join the group. We publish multiple blog posts a week about what you need to know about fill in the blank. We just talked about Be Real. It's an well, app We didn't super- talk about it. I want to talk about well, it, but you mentioned yeah, it. We'll come yeah, back we- to it. 
yeah, you know, it's an app that's super popular, but honestly, it's kind of waning because the popular apps like TikTok and Instagram have copied the feature. So there's this whole thing called feature creep. Right, right. So now you can go to Instagram and pick the Be Real filter. And what it is, is it's showing you both the front camera and back camera view. So for a long time, we were all just living our best fake filtered lives and curating what you see. But now if you're using front camera and back camera, you see the pile of clothes, you see the like messy, whatever you see the, you know, you see the full picture. Yeah. So everybody be real. If you don't know what that is, it's an app where every day, right. There's like a specific time of day where the kids or whoever's on it get prompted to snap a photo right there. And it takes a picture of you, but also a picture of what you're looking at, basically. Yes. And the incentive is what? The incentive is, I mean, just like the name states, to be more real. Okay. You know, we're always, like I said, trying to get a more perfect, curated, filtered version of ourselves out there in the world. But it's also causing some real issues with the Mm -hmm. comparison trap and FOMO, which is fear of missing out and just our mental health because it's a lie. It's not real. So let's be more real. I love the concept. Yeah. Okay, good. Okay. So staying up on apps, you gave us some tips. You started talking about kids circumventing screen limits on the iOS phones. That is the one thing that we do use over here. But again, we use it couched in, I'm not like, I am going to control your situation and here's how I'm going to do it. It's more like we had it, then he didn't have it. So again, my son's 17. And so as we've been looking at his screen time, I was traveling for a month and I got back. I was like, let's see how you did, you know, and it's too much. And so I said, well, I can put the limit on, you know, your screen limit and that can help you. And he was like, well, give me another week. Let's see how I can do. And then just a couple of days ago, he was like, yeah, I need you to set that for me. That's going to help me. So that's where we're at because we talk like we've normalized like six, eight, 10 hours of screen time a day makes us all feel gross. Like it's just like, ew, like we don't want that. And so as a junior in high school, I want him to be aware and paying attention. And so I'm happy to put the limits on. That makes me so happy. But again, it's like, what's your Apple ID in case you forget the limits? So it's Mm -hmm. his Apple ID. So ultimately he can turn it off, but we haven't set it up in a way that it's a power struggle or me forcing anything. We've really set it up to be supportive for him so that he can meet his goals. That's wonderful. Yeah. yeah I um, I set up Apple family sharing and marked my son as a five-year-old just because I wanted to be able to have full control over yeah. all the things. But really where I exercise the most control, and he's okay with it, is he has to send me a request before he wants to download an app for two reasons. One is, you know, I just don't want charges randomly racking up because that happens quickly. You know, $1.99 here, 99 cents there, $4.99 here, all of a sudden $500 in a month. And you're like, nauseous. So put a kibosh on that. Mm -hmm. But then also I want to know, I want to know what he wants to download is, you know, why do you need a calculator app? Because there's already one on your phone, you know, because calculator apps can serve as vault apps to store photos and files and that sort of thing. And you plug in a code on the calculator to unlock the vault. So (gasps) yeah, I want to know. Fancy. It is fancy, you know, or just what he's interested in, you know, like he wanted to download this fantasy football thing. And I'm like, that's so cool. I'm glad you're into that. You know, it makes no sense to me, but great. You're having fun with your friends. Cool. 
So that's what I primarily use Apple screen time features for is the ability to approve or deny the downloading of apps. I really don't lean into setting time limits because he's going to navigate them, circumnavigate them. You know, kids can go in and change the time zone to mess things up. They can also just request more time, request more time, request more time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there's a lot of tips and tricks that I'm sure kids would want to know that I'm not going to put out there, but kids can get around it. So I'm not even going to bother. I've also tried to implement some filters, you know, like I really would like to avoid, you know, NC porn. Yeah. Really, <laughs> yeah, really yeah. mature content. But again, like I don't put a great deal of faith in that filter mm-hmm. on the iPhone because there's so many ways to access yeah. that content. There's yeah. no way Apple can really protect him there. Yeah. Well, and funny enough, last year, my son, my kids have been on the podcast a couple of times in the last seven years and Ian came on last spring and he told me that he, for a while, had a secret phone that I didn't even know about. Oh, yeah. I was like, you did not. I said, you're making that up. He's like, no, I did. But it was, he goes, but it was so stressful worrying about you finding out that I finally just had to get rid of it. I was like, (laughs) perfect. Exactly what I want to hear. Thank you. Doing my job. But there was a period of time where he kind of felt into it and like, you know, was living that edge, which by the way, you know, phone screens coupled with like typical developing teen brains, novelty seeking is a strong piece of this period of development. And, you know, the phones really offer a lot of opportunity for that dopamine hit, right? 100%. You know, there's Oh gosh, just that one little thing you said, it opens up so many wheels in my head that are spinning right now, whether it's about age-appropriate sexual curiosity or just what screens and that dopamine hit um, can do to you in terms of addiction. Also just around like mental health and physiology, Mm -hmm. going back to screen time. If any one of us, you, me, a child is sedentary, sitting still for more than two hours at a time, Like that's not good for our bodies, right? We need to move. And so having those conversations with your children about how we need to control the tech and the tech does not need to control us is a very important narrative, which, you know, you had just touched on speaking about how your son wanted you to put some limits in place. We need to be in control. Yeah. And by the way, my older child wouldn't let me near her phone. And it was a total like... Somehow it worked out with my son, but my daughter was just like, oh no, you know, don't touch it. You don't need to talk about it. I'm not going to show you. And that was really like, ah, anyway. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not 
my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. So... Yeah. And I feel like what you just said too, that I appreciate is, and what I try to support parents around is when you're having a screen time conversation, one, like notice when it's become a power struggle and drop the rope, right? Mm-hmm. And come at it from a health and well-being. Like this is about health and well-being. This isn't about me controlling you. So now coming back to that, and I'm looking at the time, gosh, darn it. Like time is going so fast. So Older teens, right? Older teens that have lived through this pandemic, they had their phone before the pandemic, then the pandemic happened, and then everybody's feeling terrible for the teens, as we should. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things we do is like loosen things up. And so perhaps things have loosened up to a point now where there's, it's just a free for all and we can see the damage that's being done. What are some suggestions that you have for parents of older teens, 16, 17? I mean, I feel like once they're 18, like the ship has sailed. I don't know. That feels kind of wonky, but maybe depending on your family structure and your family system and who owns the device and do they live at home? (laughs) You know, here's the thing. Yeah. Tell me. Before I became a parent, I was the best nanny. I'd say world's best nanny. And I thought I knew all the things about parenting and I thought I was going to be a breeze. Yeah. And turns out it was not that way. (laughs) I was a teacher before I became a parent. I had a very similar narrative. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so now that my son's almost 14, huge asterisk before any advice I give to any parent of a child, of a parent of a child older than that. Right. Cause I have not lived your life yet. Yeah. Thank you. But what I will say is that I do have access to a great deal of anonymized data of just how often children up to age 17 experience a variety of really serious issues. Mm -hmm. And based on that data, I would say that it is never too late to have open, honest, candid conversations with your children that above everything else, if they know that they are loved no matter what, and Mm -hmm. that you are a safe place for them, Mm -hmm. you will be much better suited than to have any sort of heavy-handed, shame-based, fear-based dynamic. Mm -hmm. I will say that helicopter parenting is a problem as a recovering helicopter parent. It's really problematic. I will say that it is much better for you to 
help your child figure out how to navigate the rocky path that is tween, teen, and adult life. Young adult, yeah. Yeah. Than to just remove every boulder from their path, you know, keep the blinders on and just G-rated for life until they're 18. Right, 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 right. right. Yeah. I don't recommend it. Right, right. I love that, right? Because it is a different conversation with a 17-year-old than it is with a 13-year-old or a 12-year-old or a 14-year-old. Absolutely. And it should be. And ask them for advice, you know, like, this is what it was like when I was 17. This is what my friends were doing. Here are the bad choices I made. Here are the good choices I made. Here was the dynamic. Here was pop culture. Here was what I knew about. And here are the things I didn't know about until I was older. What's it like for you now? What's it like to be a 17-year-old now? I have learned so much from my son. I mean, goodness gracious, he's way smarter than I was at that age just because he has access to Google. Yeah. You know, I had to go to a library. Oh, the encyclopedia. So long. So big. So I'm thinking about particular clients of mine. And because the struggle has lasted so long, the screen has become kind of this like really tainted topic of like even to bring it up to their kids, it feels like shut down, not going there. So one of the things that I, and I'd love your feedback on this. One of the things that I try to support parents with is, you know, owning the fact that this thing, right? This thing has, I'm holding up my phone, has become a source of so much pain and suffering and contention and conflict and fighting and own our part in that, right? Like I haven't done a great job. Absolutely. You know, a great analogy for this is the car, Mm -hmm. the smartphone, the internet, social media, whatever. It's a tool. It's not inherently evil or good. It's a tool. Mm -hmm. And like when cars first came out, people were getting killed because there were no seatbelts. There were no laws. Mm -hmm. They were driving Mm -hmm. drunk. Like, you know, like there were a lot of problems that came about because of cars, but cars weren't necessarily bad. They were an innovation. And so we had to take a step back. We had to enable some more safety measures and make Mm -hmm. safer cars and make safer laws and make seatbelts. It's the same thing with the phone. Mm -hmm. And so using those analogies of past historical technological innovations can maybe help, you know, set that framework. And we're not always going to make good choices. I mean, how many times have we, you know, looked at our phones while we're driving to combine the two tools? You know, Mm -hmm. it's hard. It is not easy, but you do the best you can. You give yourself some grace and you communicate that with your children of like, look, nobody's perfect, but you have to do better and you have to try your hardest. And we're here for you whenever you make mistakes. Yeah. And I think kind of the dynamic of sitting side by side versus like across from each other energetically. And this is this thing in the middle, this phone that we've got to figure out sitting side by side and considering for our older teens, like, what are your goals? Like, what do you want? What are you Mm -hmm. looking forward to in your life? What makes you happy? And is this device supporting that? or getting in the way of that? And what are some things like, I love the collaborative process of this, but first you got to dismantle the power struggle. Like I'm not going to pretend that, listen, listeners just go and, you know, spark up this conversation because for some of the families that I work with, it is like a no start conversation. Right. And so that owning your part in it, owning maybe where your mistakes, as far as your responsibility as the parent we're lacking, like own that, be vulnerable, be honest, be light, laugh at yourself, right? Like lighten it up and create that opening. Yeah. Yes. 
you know, it is never a bad thing to try to put yourself in someone else's shoes. Yeah. Really gives you a great deal of perspective. So, you know, if your child is bristling at the thought of like you being in their phone, well, how would you feel if your child went into your phone? Like right now, if my son was like, give me your phone right now, don't do anything, don't close anything, just give me your phone. I would be like, oh, oh, oh. you know, like, oh God, what's on there? I, right? <laughs> right. I'm good. It's, I think I'm good. I think I'm good. I'm unsettled. I have some wacky friends that send me wacky things, you know, yeah. and good for yeah. them, but maybe my kid doesn't need to see them. And so, yeah, just think about it that way. And if you really want to do play that game, be like, here, I'm an open book. Here is my phone. Look at my browser history. Look at my mm-hmm. DMs. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just saying it's an interesting yeah. shift of power and dynamics. Yeah. Well, I have a question for you because mm-hmm. the lovely thing about Bart, like I feel like about Bart, which I'm not an expert and I haven't really even deep dive too much. It's mostly what I hear from other parents. So I'll be transparent around that. But also like when I think about in our district, they use a thing called Skyward where you can get all the information about your kid's school situation, right? The portal, the parent portal. Like on some level, I know there's so much available on Bark as far as the information you can attain around what your kids are doing. Do we need to know everything? Like what about, you know, I think about being a teen myself. Granted, I was out in the physical world doing things that my parents didn't know about, much of which they found out about and I was grounded for. But like on some level, there is that teenage experience where it is I'm going to get into some mischief and it's mine and it's not for my parents. And I can see even as I'm saying that out loud, okay, great. But what about when that goes to a scary place? Like talk to me about just the whole idea of like, do you believe in over monitoring? Like, is that something you can see could be problematic or what are your thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't believe in over monitoring. I think our parents were probably very fortunate to not know certain things that we were up to. (laughs) And it really depends on your child's age and stage and mental health. If you are worried about your child, if they're struggling with anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation, eating disorder issues, if their friend group has changed, if their sleeping habits are different, if their grades are different, there's so many things that, you know, can give you a little bit of a warning signal that if that's happening, chances are you will have more information mm-hmm. embedded in their digital signal. And if you are worried about their physical or mental health, don't worry about doing that digging to help uncover what's happening there because sure. your child needs you. Yeah. If your kid's good, if they're not good, meaning like good, bad, but like if they're solid yeah, level, grades are good, they're happy eating, sleeping well, Sometimes it might be good to turn a blind eye to things that you, you're like, "Mm, I know that, but I'm not going to talk to them about that Yeah, because there's really nothing good that can come from that besides introducing friction. You really have to evaluate the, like, what will be the outcome of this? You know, Mm -hmm. if I go to my son and say, Hey, I got a bark alert for profanity because I haven't adjusted my sensitivity settings for that sort of alert since you were like nine. So I'm Mm -hmm. still getting a lot of profanity. And yeah, it's in his fantasy football chat with his friends. And that's just how they talk. Do yeah. I want him to He's talk 14. like that? Do I want him to talk like that? No. But does he use those words in front of his grandmother? Also no. And I'm okay right. with that. Right. So it's like, it's a balance. You know, what hill are you going to die on? What stake are you going to put in the ground? What's important to you? I care that he is okay with his mental health and that he treats others with respect and that others treat him with respect. Everything mm-hmm. else... I'm not going to make an issue. You have to pick and choose your battles. And parents can absolutely over monitor their children. 
And you got to think about, are you- Do you, you want to sleep at night? Right. <laughs> Do yeah. you want to sleep, sleep at night? night? You want to sleep at night? Turn down that sensitivity monitor. Yeah, yeah. The answer is yes, I'd like to sleep. (laughs) Yeah, dial it back a little bit. You don't need to be all up in their business. And are you creating a home environment in which it's one they will want to come back to when they no longer have to? Yeah. Or are you creating a home environment that they cannot wait to leave when they legally can and they are not coming back? Mm -hmm. Because that's on you. Oh, I love that. I love that. And I also appreciate, you know, we don't need to be digging. Well, and I also, what you said about, the monitoring for profanity, like your son's aware that this is on his phone. Yes. Right. And I think yes. that's really important for parents to remember too, who choose into like a monitoring system like Bark is yeah. like just being really, I, you know, it is probably useful for kids to know like, Ooh, I better not do this thing. Cause mom's going to get an alert yeah. or they're just in the impulsivity of their brain and they do it anyway. And it's like, Hey, I have a friend who actually is, I think, a rep for you guys. I don't know exactly how she's connected to you, but she talks about how useful it is because her kids will come to her and say, okay, you're going to get an alert about this thing. <laughs> yeah. So That's just don't so freak That's so awesome. Out. Yeah. I love that yeah. proactive yeah. communication and that open, like, safe place. But yeah, I'm like, you wear a seatbelt in the car. We have a carbon monoxide detector in our home. There's bark on yeah. our devices and accounts because there's bad people out there and yeah. bad things happen to good people and yeah. I got to keep you safe. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So many things. As we wrap up, like what have we missed? What else do you want to make sure that you leave parents with before we wrap up today to Tanya? I want to leave parents with one, a free documentary. If you have not seen the documentary Childhood 2.0, go watch it. Google Childhood 2.0. It's free on YouTube and a few other places where you stream movies, not Netflix. It's not there yet. But if you work for Netflix, holler at me. <laughs> Love to get it there. <laughs> Let's make it happen. Um, yeah, but it's been viewed over 3 million times and it's an incredibly powerful documentary about what kids are going through today. You hear mm-hmm. from them. You know, it's one thing to hear it from me. You hear it from them. Mm-hmm. Very powerful film. Go watch it. Awesome. Uh, the second thing is that please don't live in that denial space of not my kid. It absolutely could be your kid. It's my kid. Good Mm -hmm. kids make bad choices. Their frontal lobes of their brains are not fully formed until they're in their early 20s. And so if you think you know everything, think again and start having those difficult conversations yesterday. Yes. Thank you so much. My final question that I ask everybody is what does joyful courage mean to you inside of this context of just parenting in the digital age? Ah, joyful courage. So I read the book Radical Candor a few years ago, and it it changed my world as a total people pleaser. And I think it can be very helpful in the world of parenting as well. You know, being radically candid with your kids, you know, they know you love them, but they also know you're going to shoot them straight is a very powerful tool and being just like we said, more candid with them. Mm-hmm. I love that. That definitely aligns with joyful courage. Uh-huh. Yeah. Thanks so much for hanging out with me. This was such a useful conversation and I'm so excited that I get to share it with parents. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're awesome. Thank you for all the joyful courage you put out into the world. Thanks. The Joyful Courage podcast is edited by Chris Mann at Podshaper. Big thanks to him and his team for making the show sound so good each and every week. 
and all the love to the team at Sproutable, Alana and Julieta, as well as Danielle. Thank you for all your support in the work that we do. If you're looking for more info about classes and programs we offer or want to join our mailing list, head over to besproutable.com. If you love today's show, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Your review prompts Apple to suggest the show to others. If that's too much work for you, just snap a screenshot of the show and share it on your social media accounts. Join us in our mission to support as many families as we can. All the love to you, my friend, my listener. See you Thursday for a brand new solo show. And in the meantime, drink lots of water, get outside, move your body and trust that everything's going to be okay. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.